Welcome to the Automotive Diagnostic Podcast. We're going to explore ways to sharpen our diagnostic skills, find learning resources, and hear from experts in the automotive field. We have got Auto Rescue Tools and Isaac Rodell as a sponsor for this podcast. Hey guys, if you're looking for programming laptops, you want the laptop set up ready to go for programming control modules on vehicles, you need key cutting equipment, you need diagnostic tools, Isaac is your guy. Has all that stuff available for purchase and the support that he offers along with the purchase has been outstanding. I bought some stuff from him in the past. I got my Dolphin key cutting tool from him several years back. And again, the support has been phenomenal. Helped me out along the way with anything additional I needed to make it work for me. So make sure to check that out as well. Again, that's autorescuetools.com. The link will be in the show notes. This episode is brought to you by L1 Automotive Training and Keith Perkins. If you're looking for education on module programming, J2534, EEPROM work, key and immobilizer, electrical diagnostics, or drivability diagnostics, Keith has a website, l1training.com, that's got over 60 hours of training videos on all those subjects and more. When I first started out doing mobile, I utilized Keith's videos on module programming and J2534 in order to get my head wrapped around what I would need for the tooling, the computers, the software setups, you know, what kind of obstacles I would be up against when I'm out there programming modules on cars. And it was a huge benefit to me. And I continue to use the training videos um, that he has on his website. So I strongly recommend checking out l1training.com. Hey, what's going on, automotive world? Welcome to another episode of the Automotive Diagnostic Podcast. My name is Sean Tipping, and I'll be your host once again for today's episode. Joining me on the show today is John Curtis of JC Diagnostics down in Texas. I'm talking to all the Texas mobile guys recently. JC reached out to me recently, wanted to be on the show. We're going to talk about how he got to where he is doing mobile work, what he was doing prior to that, what drew him towards this line of work, and uh, he will share a number of vehicles and case studies with us, and we'll talk all about the fun stuff that we run into out there in the auto world. So this was great to get to meet him, talk to him for a while. I know you'll enjoy it as well. So let's jump in. All right, sweet. We are live. Well, if we're, if let's let's start with this. So it's JC. What's that stand for? Uh, John Curtis. <laughs> okay. I, I, I was looking. Uh, I was like, I'm not sure if I know what his actual name is. I just saw the JC and the JC Diagnostics. I was like, what? Okay, so now I know. Yeah, so, uh, you know, that that's actually funny. So I actually came out here and uh, I intended on starting a woodworking business and doing cabinetry. And uh, it was John Curtis Woodworks. And I uh, came okay. out here and kind of reverted to, to what I, you know, was comfortable with. 
and I didn't have a full shop space. And uh, I was trying to think of a business name and I was like, oh, JC Mobile Diagnostics. And where are you at? You're down in Texas? Yeah, I'm in Texas, Cedar Park, but uh, pretty much Austin, Texas. So if anybody asks, it's Austin. Okay. It seems like there's uh, all of the mobile guys are down in Texas. I was going through a list in my head this evening. Um, there's Zach, Don. I just talked to Ollie, uh, Malcolm. Uh, and I know that I know there's a couple others too. I mean, obviously it's a big state, right? There's lots of ground to cover, yeah. but uh, it's like, everybody's down there. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So, uh, there's Don, Zach, Ben, Malcolm. Oh, Ben, yeah. Oh gosh. Um, I, I, I'm drawing a blank. Oh, uh, Brian Good. Sure. Uh, well, she's got a shop, but he, he's definitely in the immediate network. Okay. Well, that's, that's cool to have so many, uh strong players in one area you guys all know each other yeah. keep in contact or what yeah so uh we actually have you know kind of one of those facebook chats where it's just us five uh, and then we also have another texas chat where it's a few more of us and actually quite a few more of us uh but yeah now we're chatting all the time uh zach and malcolm are actually I want to say, you know, 30, 40 minutes south of me. Um, so I honestly, some situations, I actually end up calling one of them in just because I, I might be too busy or uh, sometimes it, it's it's also a business decision in some cases. Um, I will, you know, start a diagnosis on a car and I have a bunch of, I guess, gravy work um, or programming and whatnot. I kind of spend too much time on one car. So I was like, okay, I got to, I got to see if anybody else is available to, to look at it just because it's, I got, I got to keep the ball rolling. Yep. I get it, man. I, I've been there too. It's like I could knock out three GM transmissions or I could trace this intermittent Vanos code on a, on a mini Cooper and maybe not up, end up with any solid answers. What, what does the business decision? I mean, that's clear. What I should do is go knock out those six L eighties. Right. And, and yeah, that's kind of nice to have somebody to, to call in or, you know, take, take work off your plate or, or whatever it might be. Right. Just have some, have some backup or, you know, Hey, you're out of town or something like that. Um, I was just on, I went on vacation for the first time since before COVID. I hadn't taken a legit vacation out of town flying somewhere besides going to Vision or ASTE or something um, in like three years. And um, luckily now I've got a couple guys working for me. So I was able to kind of fall back on that. But man, uh, before that, like I'd leave town and the work's just piling up and piling up and like... It's not even worth it to to go anywhere because I'm just I'm yeah. slammed the whole next week. But it, it was actually really nice coming back to a, a reasonable amount of workload uh, this week when I got back in town. It was really nice. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, being a business owner, man, that that's one of those things where it's uh, it just weighs differently on yeah. Yeah, you can't turn it off uh, quite the same when you're getting phone calls and turning down work, and um, that's that's a bummer for sure. But yeah, like I said, having some some people 
like to support me, uh, Steve and Mike. It's it was absolutely awesome. So I was able to actually kind of relax and enjoy myself, which was cool. <laughs> I don't do that too often. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Where'd you go? Uh, the Gulf Shores of Alabama. Uh, I'd never been there, but okay. a couple friends of mine had a. They were having their wedding down there, and they rented this like big. 10 bedroom house on the beach and it's right there on gulf of mexico you know white sand beach and it, it was really cool um i uh i i tried surfing for the first time ever and i was terrible i was awful at it but there was a, a local <laughs> surf shop they were they give lessons and the guy was super nice and really helpful and uh, it, it was it was a blast though there was these there was these jellyfish floating around in the water and I, I'd, I'd never been that close to him before there's one that was like as big as a dinner plate and I, I asked the guys like do they do they sting you like what what happens if it like if I fall on the thing or it gets on my leg or something he's like ah it just feels like a a lot of mosquito bites all at once I'm like uh okay I'll just I'll still cl- steer clear of those things <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah so um yeah I, I'm actually from California but uh been out here in Texas for a little bit, and we actually took a vacation. I haven't taken a real vacation, man, but uh, you go, like, take a little three-day mini vacation over the weekend. Sure. And uh, head out to the Gulf, and uh, out here is South Padre Island. And uh, my son, he's, oh, he was, what, six at the time? And, uh, no, nah, he was five. And uh, the one thing that we didn't tell him is don't touch anything that you you don't know what it is and uh so (laughs) so we're sitting in our tent under the the beach uh on the beach under the the tent and uh man yeah i see him poking something and i'm just like okay i get up and i go to look and he's poking the top of a jellyfish (laughs) luckily it was the top of the jellyfish so he didn't get stung but uh yeah so so uh yeah, parenting, uh, yeah, got a little parenting lesson there myself. Like, okay, well, I got to keep in mind, like, have these conversations. But, uh, yeah, that, that was, you know, fun. And uh, it, it's one of those things, too, like sitting there, man, I back to being the business owner here, I was getting blown up with phone calls. Sure. And uh, it, it was it's one of those things, man, like I didn't shut off my phone. I was pretty new in the business. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so I kept it going and I was just telling everybody, Hey, I'm, I'm not in town. I'll take care of you when I get back. And, uh, actually ended up getting a call from the shop. Um, that basically is the reason why I bought my, uh, my Voss 6154A, um, just because it's like, okay, I've gotten enough calls and, uh, it, it how do you say it, it's just, you're losing money at a certain Yeah, you turn a, enough of it away and you're like, okay, well, now it would have made sense for me to buy that tool now. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I mean, especially like Volkswagen and Otis, that's uh, oh, very affordable. It, well, it is, you know, it's a bit of a process for anybody who hasn't like signed up for Otis, installed Otis, like um, you can do that. You can probably figure out any of the manufacturers, but once you have it, like I would never go back to not having Otis for Volkswagen Audi. Um, the, the way 
it honestly walks you like holds your hand through so many processes. I'm just like hitting buttons. I'm like, Oh, okay, cool. It's doing stuff. Oh, the car's fixed. Cool. <laughs> and, and, yeah. And, yeah. and I'm coming from before that. I was just trying to do like coding with Autel or, or, or stuff like that. And it just being it just miserable. Just, it never worked right. There was always issues and they were, it was a couple brands that I really struggled with. Uh, but man, it is for, for doing the programming stuff that I do, but even diagnostics as, as lights out, get it. If you have any, <laughs> any hesitation and you see Volkswagen Audis, just freaking get the thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, they took out the, uh, the wiring diagrams yeah, and stuff, it's a bummer. but I think they just brought back. What did they bring? There back? was something. Um, I forgot what it was. PR codes. Oh, okay. Okay. So they, they just brought back PR codes. Um, but you know, the, the, just having the OEM tool there, like I deal with a few body shops. I don't have a whole lot of body shops just because ProTech is absolutely everywhere here. Um, well, you got ProTech, Elotech, and, uh, I think all clear diagnostics. Um, but, uh, the body shops that I do deal with, the majority of what I end up seeing there is Volkswagen, Audi stuff. And then I guess a lot of Nissan. Um, but it's usually airbag stuff. The way that Otis has you deal with the airbag stuff is, I mean, it, it's airbag diagnostics, I guess, but it, it'll give you, you know, specific values and everything. And it's just, oh, test here, do this, do that. And it, it really does hold your hand through the whole process. Right, right. Not the most friendly user interface, I would say, but <laughs> once you kind of get a feel for it and you can navigate it a little bit, um, it's, it's not bad. I, I honestly, I like, I enjoy having it as far as a factory scan tool set up. Um, and yeah, I was able to snag one of those 6154s cause I was using my eye scan with the IMS two function prior to that, but I had some issues with version 11. Um, it wasn't, I don't think actually it just stopped working if I remember correctly. Cause there was, I had the Cardac first when I very first got Otis, I was using the Cardac and it wouldn't do the key cycles. So I was limited on some stuff. And then I got the IMS two, uh, version with iScan, which emulates the, the factory tool. But then when 11 came out, which is like a few months later, that stops working. I think they have that straightened out now, but that's when I was, yep. and actually, um, uh, Ollie helped me out. He was able to f- f- connect me with the guy who was selling them. Uh, and so that was awesome to get one of those things. But yeah, um, you know, it's just, I I have definitely and still do struggle with European stuff, but having that factory set up is, is the way to go. This is my next one. I've been dragging my feet on it and I just haven't, I haven't gotten around to it, but that's my, that's my next one I'm getting set up with. Yeah, yeah. So uh, you're not, um, you don't have an ICOM. So I, I have a cloned ICOM, and I wanted to buy a legit one. Couldn't find one at the time. I was like ready to drop the money. Like they just weren't available. So I bought this cloned one. And everybody yep. says, "Hey, this those cloned ones will actually work just fine with with the factory." It's a, I haven't tried that. I don't know if that's necessarily true, but. Um, I, I just gotta get uh, what, uh, and this, Hey, tell me if I'm wrong, but based on whatever he tells me is I want to get my, uh, just a laptop set up for that. And it's my BMW laptop. And so I gotta, 
I got to do that. And I think that's what I've been dragging my feet on recently. Yeah. Yeah. So with BMW, I know a lot of people, uh, from what I heard before I actually started doing them is, oh, they take, you know, an insane amount of time, eight hours, whatever. And, uh, I mean, they, they typically run, you know, 55 minutes, maybe an hour and 15 hour and 20 minutes. Um, and uh, <laughs> the the ones that you got to look out for is the F chassis uh-huh. uh, up to like 2017. Um, any F chassis up to 2017, those head units, like you, you'll get everything going. Everything's completely fine. Uh, just make sure you buckle on the driver's side seat belt. Otherwise, the car will go to sleep and then you either br- uh, end up breaking the FEM or the, the um, oh gosh, BDC. Okay. So... <laughs> <laughs> So just if you're programming a BMW, make sure you got that driver's side seatbelt buckled in before you start gotcha. because you don't want that car to time out on you and go to sleep. And then next thing you know, you can't shut off the ignition and you're basically dead in the water. Oof. And then once you disconnect the battery, well, you can't uh, ignition it on, which there's some pretty easy methods to recover them. Um, but, you know, that's uh, that's a whole different discussion. Right. If you just buckle in, <laughs> if you buckle in, it's uh, save you some headache. Buckle up for BMW. I like that. Um, yeah, I've I've heard from a couple different people those head units bricking during a, as, as far as I understand, a 100% legit programming operation right they got the factory tool they got the factory program they've got a voltage maintainer they're connected they're hardwired to the internet all that good stuff and it still just goes to shit so um yeah uh, and my, my i've asked multiple people this and everybody tells me you can't do this but i was like well why don't you just unplug it or pull the fuse on that module before you start and so just maybe would it just skip over that? But everybody says, no, it, it won't, doesn't work that way. So I don't know. You know, that is actually something that I've considered uh, doing, but I honestly didn't know if it would work. And honestly, I haven't had the balls to try it. <laughs> right. It's so. one of those things. It's like, what will happen if I do that? And yeah. I don't know. If I if I um, end up in that situation, I, I, I'm probably the guy that will give that a try. So if it works, I'll let you know. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, fuck around, find out territory. Yeah, I I find myself in that place quite often, actually. And <laughs> I, as I've done this longer and longer, I, I'm a little bit more brave when it comes to that stuff. I'm like, well, you know, this module's probably only like 500 bucks. <laughs> let's let's give it yeah. a try. Um, I actually just did a. Um, it, it was on a. What year was that? 2017 X3, I think is the, yeah, 17 X3, uh, the little uh, touch display screen that's up on the dash. Um, I believe that is, I believe that is the head unit for that particular vehicle. Um, The screen was out and I was able to source the screen, just the screen itself for 70 bucks plus some shipping, took the thing apart incredibly easy to take this thing apart. Like they pull it out of the dash and then you take it apart, swap out the screen, put it back together. It worked perfectly fine. And, um, so that was, that was, I was like, okay, so I could start looking for these sorts of things and just a little extra, you know, a a service that I can offer, uh, shops when stuff like that happens. I ended up doing a Camry for that same shop, 
uh, that had a touchscreen issue. And the, the, as you do some Google searching, you can find screens for most of these things pretty easy. So that was kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. You, you know, being able to offer services like that definitely adds value to the shop uh, and brings value to our business, helps them help their customer. Yep. And uh, honestly, it's one of the things that sets us apart. Yeah. I'm always looking for something to add on to what I do. Not not in the mindset of just like grabbing at everything possible I can and never really getting good at one thing. But, you know, our, our industry is always shifting and there's always other players coming in. And like you said, like there's there's other big box companies coming for the kinds of work that we do. And there's remote programming coming for a lot of what we do. Right. So I I just don't want to have all my eggs in one basket. I want to be able to pivot. I want to have other, you know, income streams and skill sets that can bring those in. So I'm always just kind of like feeling out like, okay, where else could I provide a service? What else could I do for, shops out there what's the need what's the broken thing that people are running up against in their day-to-day and so if i can if i can pick some of that stuff out and get ahead of it that's kind of my goal and that was just one thing like it's i'm not going to make a business off of that but i mean it was easy i would do i would do that again for sure yeah for sure so you know speaking of switching out that display screen um i haven't actually worked with this one shop in a while but uh, it's a commercial shop, actually. I'm not sure if I can say the name on here. But uh, so they ended up calling me. Their technician ended up breaking um, the the plastic on a Fiat cluster, a Fiat 500. Okay. And uh, so they got a replacement one. And I was like, okay, like, do you want me to do the mileage correction? Because we, we can we could get the odometer to stop flashing. But uh we're still not going to have to correct my lids. We're, we're not going to have this. Like, but what do, what do we want to do here? They're just like, whatever, just, we just need to get this squared away for the customer. So I end up grabbing it, running home, <laughs> um, realize that there's only a couple of clips holding on the front plastic. Just pop that off real quick. It was maybe a five minute job. Pop on the cover real quick, went back, installed it, and it was good to go. Nice. Nice. Yeah, some of the stuff's not as bad as you think. You get into it, you're like, oh, well, that was, that was easy. <laughs> I, I was like, yeah. just like that. So um, I, I've got like, uh, what do you call it? The ACDP? Sure. And um, Fantastic tool. So, <laughs> yeah, no, for sure, for sure. So one of my shops, they actually, I've only been working with this shop for about two and a half to three months. Um, honestly, one of the only valuable customers that I got from a marketing campaign that I did. Um, but you know, this one particular shop is feeding me all kinds of oddball work, uh, to say the least, um, doing all kinds of like clusters, mileage corrections. Um, they gave me a, what was it? A EIS for a 2014 Mercedes. Uh And, uh, they're like, well, the, the dealer diagnosis said it needed a steering lock, and then they said it needed an EIS. Okay. And so I guess they sold the steering lock. Um, but honestly, I'm not too sure what work was actually completed on this thing uh, because the car is actually an ongoing project, and I have an emulator on its way. Okay. Um, 
So, uh, anyway, they gave me a W207 uh-huh. EIS, and it's used. And I was like, well, I'm not quite sure if I can make this one happen. Uh, I know I've cloned other EISs, but I just haven't done this one. And it doesn't look like any tolling that I have covers it exactly. So I end up finding out a solution um, and going over to the vehicle with everything ready to go. And they plug in the original EIS and they turn the key and it recognizes the key position. Okay. And it lights up. And the, the right away, I'm up? just like, yeah, okay. yeah. So right away, I'm just like, uh, we're going to be in the same position here. Yeah. <laughs> so, so uh, anyway, um, they did that and I ended up swapping it out and, you know, adding the key because that, that's, that's what I was there to do. And the other part of the job had to be activated when it's on the car. And, uh, you know, after that, it's just like, hey, sorry to break the news to you, but, you know, we, we did what, what we were asked and the car is not fixed. Right. Um, but, but, you know, they, they threw that one at me and then uh, I've gotten to do a couple of the uh, eight speed ZFs on the uh, Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram variety. Sure. And uh, that that's apparently, well, according to this shop, they are having a hard time getting them brand new. Yeah, um, I've run into the same thing with those eight-speed transmissions in the like trucks and Durangos and and stuff like that, where shops are having a heck of a time. And so, um, it, it's weird on those. I've actually run into a couple where the shop had already installed the used one. They didn't really under know that anything needed to happen and I was able to make it work without really doing well not doing any cloning really and just some scan tool functions and it worked but then the complete opposite too I've seen them where you you have to clone it that's the only way that it's going to work and I don't know I'm sure there's applications where it just seems to matter more than others or maybe it's how different the software and the transmission is uh, from one to another, yeah. uh, that might be the case in, in some of them, but, uh, yeah, those, um, uh, the eight speeds you're talking about, is that strictly like Mopar Chrysler stuff or have you done any of the other ones? Like yeah. the, I think there's eight speeds in the BMWs too. So the eight speeds in the BMWs, I've actually been doing those for a while, but I haven't been cloning. Okay. Them. Um, so there is... I've got the Autel IM508, and uh, for the eight speeds, it works really well on the F chassis uh-huh. to uh, reset the EGS. Sure, sure. Do you transfer over the coding when you do that too? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I've only done one of those, but I did the same thing. I used the Autel and was able to transfer that over, so that that worked out pretty well. That was another one where. The shop had no clue and they called me and they're like, Hey, this thing won't go into gear. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> no, yeah. Well, it's a used transmission. Can you do anything? I'm like, well, I can, but Hey, next time, maybe give me a ring before you do this massive job and, and, you know, are trying to deliver it to the customer. Um, <laughs> yeah. um, yeah. Uh, being able to, to provide those types of solutions to, 
to shops and to customers is huge. That's I think where it sets you apart. Um, Cause I don't know. You know, I don't think you're going to find a whole lot of like big box places that are going to be doing that sort of thing. Uh, but it takes some work, right? It takes tooling and it takes the understanding, right? So for somebody listening yeah. to you talk about that Mercedes and you rattle off like two or three different acronyms and they're like, I don't even know what those components are, right? Like you have to do your homework just to figure out what p- components are involved and then what tools yeah. I need and then how do I do it and what's required. And it's a lot. I, I did one of those uh, steering lock, uh, went through that on a couple of different Mercedes recently, actually. And um, the first one I did, I was like, it was a night's worth of reading to kind of get my head wrapped around everything that I needed to be aware of, what was going on, what the issue was, what the options are to fix it, how to fix it, the order of programming, all of that stuff. It's a, it's a ton, it's a ton of, it's a ton of work, but you char- you charge properly for it too, right? Number one, you got that Mercedes yeah. logo on the front. So that <laughs> just kind of brings the price up all on its own. But then this, it's, it's a big job, man. And, it, and like I just described, it's a lot of legwork to get to that point and tooling and understanding. So it, it's good work once you figure out how to do it. You know, one of the things that I try to focus on, but also on the other side of things like... There's quite a few guys, and I actually see more and more people doing EEPROM and cloning out here. Uh, the majority of them tend to do, like, airbag stuff. Sure. Um, they can have that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, for sure. That is nothing I want to get involved in. Um, <laughs> actually, <laughs> j- just thinking about this right now. Uh, so I started a mailer campaign through MailShark uh, back in, oh, gosh. Uh, June or July, and uh, no, 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 me. Uh, so and it ran for like three months or ten weeks or something like that, and uh, mailed out you okay. know five thousand mailers to fifteen hundred shots. And okay, and the amount of used car lots that call, it's uh, it's wild. Yeah, that's my number one. The people that have asked me about crash resets on those modules and so when i first started getting into this eprom stuff i did a couple of them for some friends um you know texts that i know and they're like yeah i'm just uh, i bought this vehicle and blah 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 and so i'm like all right i just want to see if i can do it right and i did it and i just felt wrong about it you know because the odds of that thing working are pretty likely right it's you're just resetting the data but what if it doesn't and uh, as far as like yeah. a business side of things, I have no interest in getting involved with that at all. Plus, plus, here's the other thing. If you go on eBay or whatever and you find these people offering the services online, they're doing it for like pennies on the dollar. Like I saw like $40, $50 for this reset. And so I'll yeah. tell people, I'm like, it's not even worth me considering doing it for that dollar amount. Just mail it to those people. They can take on the liability i'm sure they're uh, i'm sure they won't at all it'll be on the person who actually is you know putting it in the car but no thank you i have, I have no interest in that but yeah used car lots for sure they always want that let's get that used crash mod or that, that that crash module that was in there to be reset and have that crash data wiped out of there just not something i want to get involved in put myself at risk there and uh, there, there's right, just so much right. more money to be made. 
Exactly. Exactly. There's there's so much more liability free or a lot less liability tied to more lucrative work. So they can they can have those. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. For sure. Well. It, we, we probably should have started with this. I'm pretty good at just like getting into the conversation and then going back to the beginning. So you mentioned earlier, he started with woodworking and then how did you get from <laughs> that to doing mobile programming and diagnostics? Yeah. So, okay. Um, I just had that interest in cars for a really, really long time. Kind of something I wanted to do. Um, but never actually considered it professionally. Uh, I've just always had this thing where I've had to know how things work. And mm -hmm. since I was a child getting into uh, computer programming, uh, not, you know, module programming, but actual writing code and stuff like that, uh, playing around, figuring out just all kinds of different things and uh, doing uh, a lot of things for fun, uh, hacking, j just see if I can, you know, remote into a computer, just honestly, just the curious side of me. Um, and uh, going from there, and then I ended up doing investigations. I left investigate, well, I was lost prevention, kind of worked my way through the chain, started doing investigations, and then left there and then started doing the woodworking. And uh, okay. when I was doing the woodworking, um, I wanted to move out here to Texas and ended up coming out here to Texas and quickly realized like I didn't have sufficient space uh, to do everything that I needed to do. Um, and because I had that interest in cars, I actually had learned out of necessity in a lot of cases. Um, I had a, oh gosh, 04 Colorado, uh, spent a lot of money on it could not get it fixed anywhere. And I got to learn about the five volt reference then. Um, <laughs> just looking online, like <laughs> five volt reference code. I uh, had a, I don't know, $60 reader from the parts store. And uh, finally, it took me forever. Um, mm -hmm. I, I honestly had no idea what it was, but finally got around to getting that thing fixed. And then, you know, just helping friends and family and stuff get their stuff sorted out. And then um, <laughs> I actually had a Mitsubishi Eclipse um, and that thing. So I had a parasitic drain on it okay. and I could never pinpoint it. Um, so I, I had my Eclipse and then I had a, a 01 Silverado because those things are tanks. And uh, sure, sure. my girlfriend, every time she would drive it, it would have the parasitic drain. And I couldn't okay. figure out what it was. And uh, every single time, like, I went to go look at this thing, it was never acting up. And uh, so one day I ended up taking it to work. And I realized that when I shut the doors, the headlights turned on. So mm. <laughs> it's just like, well, that's interesting. Um it, it it was a really silly di it, it was a multifunction switch that went out on that thing and, and sometimes okay. and it didn't happen all the time when you would shut that door it would you know complete a circuit and uh yeah cause the drain huh and uh oh weird yeah 
Yeah, and then uh, same vehicle, actually, uh, she was driving it, and uh, it just stopped on her uh, on the way, uh, actually, back from work. And I, I'm just like, okay, it's probably a fuel pump. Uh, we end up towing it back. Well, I picked her up and had the tow truck tow it back and hooked up the scanner, and I couldn't communicate with the engine computer. Um, and I was like, okay. So there was actually a few things that had happened there. Uh, but, you know, j just that one really got me learning how to read wiring diagrams. And th this is, man, quite a while ago. And uh, okay. so, you know, just doing that and the, the interest was there, the, the ability to kind of think about these problems was there. Uh, so I, I honestly got hooked on Scanner Danner. And uh, that guy, you know, is probably the godfather of a lot of guys' careers. Yeah, I, that's that's an understatement. I, I think just about anybody you talk to in this field has something good to say or some thanks to give to Paul. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> so um, I was actually at a shop the other day, and not to sidebar here too much, but the technician there, he was like, man, he was like, if I run into something, because it was my first time working there, uh, he was like, if I run into something, can I call you? He was like, usually I look on YouTube and there's this guy, Scanner Danner, who's helped me out a lot of times, but I, I, I don't fully grasp everything. And it's definitely a lot to grasp. But uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> so uh, anyway, that, that guy, though, he's made a world of change to me. And uh those fundamentals, you know, five different types of sensors. How do you approach this? And just getting that very basic understanding. And when we look at cars, nine times out of 10, it is the most basic things that end up fixing the car. Yeah, it's, it's usually a bent pin or broken wire or bad connection somewhere. Or it's, it's, it's honestly not that often something truly crazy sometimes sometimes that happens yep. but usually it's something really simple <laughs> when i came out here uh, i had this idea of being a mobile mechanic uh not the brightest idea um just you know <laughs> people are uh super cheap uh i was charging not accordingly um not at all but you know get, getting the used car guys and you know, doing stuff in people's driveways and doing just more so R&R &R work and some diagnostics. Sure. And um, I knew for a long time, you know, just watching watching Paul and uh, Keith DeFazio, um, I wanted to get into that side of things and really focus on it. And uh, okay. so, so I ended up... You know, just decided one day, you know what, I am going to start shifting my focus, not stop what I'm doing right now, but I'm going to start the shift and start working toward getting shots. And uh, so, you know, just approach them, get a couple shops around me, and they started calling me more and more. And, uh, you know, it's one of those things, too, where I started to see, like, these shops are, I honestly don't, 
it, it's hard to say, but some of them maybe are good at R and R, but mm-hmm. they, they just don't have that diagnostic side. And uh, right. you know, and and I mean, we need we need those. I mean, there's some kick-ass technicians at R and R. Some yes, guys sir. have helped me get some stuff. Uh, get some stuff done in very efficient manner. Um, uh-huh. When I'm just looking at something and I'm like, man, th- this is going to have me pull this um, radiator and I, I've got to, I've got to pull, sorry, not the radiator, pull the, um, oh gosh, AC compressor to, to do a starter in a Nissan. And uh-huh. so somebody was like, well, no, you just, you know, loosen up these bolts and, you know, put a piece of cardboard here and do that and uh-huh. you know, save me a lot of hours. And uh, yep. so, you know, some guys are just amazing at R&R. And, uh-huh. you know, me, not not coming from that shop background and, and, you know, just really grasping the most basics of electrical, it, um, it gave me the chance to kind of fill in pieces where, where the shops tended to struggle. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, there was, there was a time where uh, I was definitely that R and R guy and I could rock it out with the best of them, you know, hundred flats a week. Like I was cranking the, the R and R workout. Now I haven't done that since, you know, full time since 2017. So I'm, I'm looking at some of these jobs when I'm in shops, I'm like, I mean, I know I can still take some stuff apart. I did a water pump in my van a couple of weeks ago. So I went out and I'm like, all right, I still got it. I still beat book time. But man, <laughs> like I'm looking at some of these jobs. I'm like, uh, I, I don't think my skills are quite where they used to be. And so some, I, like if I had a big job, I don't know, I might just take it to uh, to somebody, one of these shops I know say, hey guys, you guys are so going to do this a lot easier than me on the floor of my garage. Uh, but that's the thing though, right? Is that is its own skill. And you can be really, really yep. good at that skill. And that can be your thing. You can make a lot of money doing that too. But I, I've talked about this before on the podcast is like, we're, we're asked as a general automotive service technician, we're asked so to be good at so many things, to be an expert at so many different areas. And it's too, I think it's too much for your average guy. There's a few people out there that can handle it all and be really good at it all. And those are those are outliers, right? Those are unicorns. That, that's, that's not your average person in a shop. It's just not your average person. You can be good at so many different things. They're going to gravitate towards one area or another or apply themselves in one area or another, right? And outside of the automotive world, we don't ask that of people, right? You don't have a house repairman, right? You have a plumber or an HVAC or electrician or a roofer or a painter or a carpenter or a carpet layer, right? People have applied themselves to be really good at one area. And I think what's happening right now in the industry with, and I'm probably biased because it's all the people I talk to, but like the kind of the rise of the mobile people in, in this industry it's just it the need is there for guys who are specifically good at this thing and we're there to provide support for everybody else who doesn't have that person in their shop and they probably don't have that person in the shop because flat rate doesn't pay a diag well that's probably how we got to where we're at but i mean i don't think it's a bad thing i I think it's good to specialize get really good at 
you know, one specific area of the vehicle because it's too damn big to try to be an expert on all of it. Um, again, there's, there's guys out there who can do it and more power to you, man. But, um, you know, it's just, why not specialize and be really good at one area? I think that's the way to go. Yep. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, we've got, you know, HVAC, AC, we've got to deal with the electrical, the engine mechanical side of things. Uh, now there's the ADOS and, uh, just so many different yeah. things there. Uh, suspension stuff. I mean, I, you know, not having that shop background, I honestly, like, I've been asked to look at some suspension stuff, and I'm like, nope, I'm not your guy. And, uh, but, you know, the same shop, they'll say, hey, we just, you know, we did some work on this, it drove in, and now it's not starting. And, uh, you know, so you go out there, and it's like, okay, well, um, this sensor right here looks nice and shiny, and it's got a wallet with wings on it and uh it's pulling down your reference voltage so <laughs> yeah yeah right 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 so how uh, sorry if you already touched on this um but how did you like decide okay i'm gonna get into uh, the programming stuff like what or how did, what did that look like what did you go out and buy uh, how did you start that what, what began it for you so there's a lot of frustrations. Um, now, when you're diagnosing something, you look, and the first thing I'm looking for is a TSB. And uh -huh. a lot of those TSBs start with, oh, there's a flash update. Um, and I ran into so much of that and then having to send it to the dealer for the shop to turn around and have me go back and look at the car again because, I mean, you could chase your tail on it. Sure. And so at, at a certain point, actually, it was a, oh gosh, a 2010 Chevy HHR, I think it was. And this, it, it was actually an individual and they asked me to look at it. Uh, so I, I looked at it and it is kind of as I was phasing out, you know, uh, mobile service uh, in, in that aspect. But uh, I went to go look at it. And it had a VIN mismatch code in the ABS module. Okay. And I, I really wanted to get it resolved, and I didn't have the ability to. And actually, that day or, or within a few days, um, I was just thinking about it, and it was just kind of weighing on me. And uh, it's kind of one of those things where it's like, okay, enough's enough. And... I started looking around, and all of a sudden, a pass-through pro, uh, pass pro 4 popped up on eBay. And it was okay. in, like, the final hour, I think it was. And it was only, like, 700 bucks, and the thing was in, like, it, it didn't even look like it had been touched. And nice. so I was looking at it. I had no idea if it was, you know, I, I knew nothing, absolutely nothing. Uh -huh. I just knew that it was time for me to start, you know, throwing there. And... I ended up picking it up uh, for about 800 bucks and nice. I just grabbed a laptop and installed GM and uh, GM and Ford were kind of the, the first ones that I, I dipped my feet in. Mm -hmm. Just kind of grew from there. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, went from there and then ended up doing, you know, some Chrysler stuff and, 
kind of stuck with the big three for a while. Um, I had done a couple of Nissans and Hondas, like here and there, but not with the J-Box or anything like that. It was, you know, VIN registration and mobilizer stuff using a little, what is it, a X431 Pro S Mini or something like that, the little China launch. And, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so, so you know, just going going from there, kind of expanding there, and then um, got a little heavier into the Asian programming. And then at some point, I was just like, okay, I'm, I'm going to try to do everything that I can. So, you know, now I'll go do a Mercedes um, clone or, you, you know, have some different methods because I don't have this entry. Um, but, you know, I can definitely go out there and offer it to a shop and help them get what they need done. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, Jaguar Land Rover. Uh, Jaguar Land Rover actually turns out to be one of my biggest, probably the biggest European uh, moneymaker uh, for me. Maybe Volkswagen and Audi. I don't know. There's so much of it here. It's actually like, honestly, that's I see so them weird. everywhere. I, that's one brand that I rarely get calls on. Uh, here and there. Here and there I'll get a Land yeah. Rover. Um, they need something diagnosed on it or whatever. But um, yeah, yeah. for whatever reason. And it's weird how brands are like that across the U.S. Like there's places where nobody sees any Subarus. I see a ton of Subarus yep. all the time. But it, yeah, uh, anyway, so. Yeah. You know, Jaguar, Land Rover, I don't see a lot of the um, Topics Cloud Pathfinder vehicles, but I do see okay. a bunch of the SDD vehicles. And what I do see on like the Topics Cloud and Pathfinder vehicles, um, you know, it, it tends to be headlights and nothing super exciting. Um, but for whatever reason, I just get a whole bunch of them. And, you know, it, it's funny. I talk to like, I go down to a BMW specific shop and I repair FRM models for them. And, uh, you know, when I first actually talked to them and just gave my spiel, uh, they're just like, well, we do not touch Jaguar Land Rover because of the cost to the shop is just so far higher than anything else. So I, that may be something where, you know, people don't want to get involved with them just because of the cost of the parts and, um, I don't know what it is. The the European car owner, especially when you start getting into the the third owners, um, they expect <laughs> yeah. <people for> nothing. <laughs> yeah, that thing that thing's bellied out and has a transmission out of it, and, and the instrument cluster's locking up, and it's in an anti theft state, and you know, it's like, okay, how much money? How much money are you going to put into this thing, man? Uh, but yeah. um yeah, the the European thing, um I, I've just been forcing myself to get more involved with it as time go- has gone on because it's n- not necessarily easy, it's not necessarily cheap in a lot of cases, but it's good lucrative work once you figure it out. Once you bite the bullet, you get the tools, you figure out what you need to figure out. Um a lot of people that own those vehicles are just they're just used to it. It's going to be expensive to fix, you know, that's the way it is. Yeah. And so, you know, you can be much higher than some of the domestic counterparts and nobody blinks an eye. Just like, yep, it's a BMW. 
okay, $400. All right. That's the way it is. Right. And so it's good work for sure. And so I, I, I definitely shied away from, you know, even just the repair side of it, but especially diagnostics earlier in my career, but Hey man, let's go bring it on. I'll take it on. See what, you know, and sometimes I get beat up. Sometimes I don't win, but you know, how else are you going to know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, that's, that's how you get good. I mean, you're not growing, doing the same thing over and over. That's right. Yeah. You got to get outside of that comfort zone. If you want to get better, you got to take on that, that challenge, that thing that, uh, you know, you're not that good at. You don't know that well, but yeah, that's the only, that's the only way you're going to get good at it is by giving it a shot. And yeah, maybe you're going to fail. You're going to screw up. You're going to look stupid, cost yourself some money, uh, you know, bricking a module or wh- whatever it might be, making a bad call on a Diag, but you know, how else you got to yeah. jump in, you got to give it a try. Yeah. Yeah. You know, bad calls definitely happen. Um, I know like yeah. a big part of our business is to be what accurate <laughs> and uh mm-hmm. everyone i mean sometimes it happens and heck sometimes when it rains it pours but um yeah man i'm i'm glad to to have a network of guys that you know have been there to help me grow and may maybe give me a right direction or maybe be like hey man like double uh i wouldn't be making that call or you know right. j- just things like that and um, there's, you know, one where I, I seem to me, I said this in a group the other day, it seems that the majority of my bad calls that I end up making are pin fitment problems. And yeah, uh, those can be tricky. You know, it's one of those things where, like there's one in particular, I, I was super frustrated with it cause man, I, I, I was so close, uh, ended up calling an ECM on a, oh gosh, some sort of Buick. And, uh, I, it's one of those things where it's like, wow, how did I miss it? But, uh, essentially shop brought it in and did some work to it. I think they swapped out the engine and now it is a no crank. Well, uh, I, I run through the process and I'm like, okay, well, we're, we're getting, so there's a, the rain sensor sends out a signal to the, the ECM and that's how mm-hmm. the ECM sees, Hey, this is where, you know, this is where, um, it, it gives it the okay saying, Hey, we're in neutral or we're in park. We can go ahead and start the car. Mm-hmm. And so I check it and I see that we're grounding and I see that the ECM is not seeing the signal. I look at the connector and I actually did a pin fitment test on it and it passed mm-hmm. the pin fitment test, but it was the actual connector itself that it wasn't fully latching down. And it's because uh, uh, honestly, I don't know exactly what happened there if it was sabotage, but the technician that was initially working on the car wasn't there uh, at the time that I got called in to look at it, it was no longer on that shop. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> and, uh, so it, it ended up being, you know, that connector problem, but you know, it, it's, yeah. it's things like that. It, and you get burned enough on something and it's just like, okay, like you, you got to remember those ass kickings for the next time. Yeah. That's, that's the thing is 
when you get your butt kicked on something and you eventually get to the other side of it, bad call and all, <laughs> you're not going to forget that. Like that is now, yeah. hopefully, hopefully the ideal would be that is burned into your brain. And next time you come across that, that's the first thing you're checking. Yeah. So, um, a couple of things I kind of wanted to just mention here on the chat. Uh, just a couple of, you know, cases where I've actually ran into, um, and honestly, I don't know if guys are really going to be running into this. Um, so one of the first things that I kind of wanted to bring up was a, I want to say it's like a 2007 F-150. And uh, okay. I had been asked to replace a PCM on this thing. And so I get out there, I program in the PCM, and they replaced it because it didn't have AC operation. And it wasn't controlling the compressor. So, okay. so at this point, I'm like, okay, well, everything's programmed in. Um, and I ask them, hey, do you want me to diagnose this? I start jumping down the diagnostic path. And I'm looking, sure. all the inputs look good. You know, j just very basic scan data. Not, not to go like crazy, crazy into detail. Um, but I, I started jumping down a rabbit hole. I mean, typical, you know electrical diagnostic path on why aren't we getting compressor can I, activation yep can I, can I pause you real quick all right i want to do something here i'm going to write down i'm going to write down on a piece of paper what i think it is right now and then i'm going to wait until you tell <laughs> me but we'll see if i'm right just only because i feel like i've run yeah. into this before but okay i got i got it written down so we'll see if i get this correct or not keep going yeah, so, uh, you know, I go through everything, and I'm like, okay, everything is intact circuit-wise. Everything looks good input-wise. And uh -huh. one of the things that I didn't pay attention to was my pre-scan, just because it's it's I scan it, have it there for documentation's sake. And uh, so I end up going back to my pre-scan. And inside of the mm -hmm. instrument cluster, I don't remember the exact code, but there was a code in there pertaining, I don't remember if it was a VIN mismatch code, or if it was a configuration mismatch or something like that. But uh, long story short, turned out to be the instrument cluster had the incorrect as-built data. I don't know, it's mine backwards. It's <laughs> yeah. It's yep. a, it's a, it says cluster, I think my screen's mirrored, but yes, it says cluster for yep. that exact same thing. I was at I was at Firestone yeah. and I probably got my butt kicked for two days on this thing because I'm like everything's here and I didn't have <laughs> I don't recall like a a mismatch code or whatever but eventually by digging and digging because I didn't do any programming at the time eventually found out and talked to the customer and yeah we put a cluster in that not that long ago it was a used one blah blah, blah. and okay all right and then we finally got it figured out but. Man, that was that was a bear. Because if I recall right, you can tell me if yours was the same. There are no data pids in the cluster that indicate what you want to know, or no helpful information, because yeah. the, the AC request is getting passed through the cluster to get to the PCM. It goes HVAC, medium speed can, cluster, high speed can, PCM. Yeah, and. There's nothing yep. in there to help you. There's no data pids indicating that anything's happening. And I mean, you got to pay attention to the diagram, the system operation to even know that the cluster is involved, mm -hmm. period. 
But then once you do, yep. it's unless you have that programming capability and understanding, it's still not real clear whether the cluster's doing what it's supposed to or not. You just see, hey, I'm pressing the button. The PCM's not seeing the request, but everything else seems to be there, right? Uh, that that sort of thing is yeah. really weird. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, I I got to a point where I looked back at it because, you know, jumping down down the, the rabbit hole there and uh, kind of lose back to follow a process. Um, in my mm-hmm. case, I was lucky enough to have a data PID, which or not a data pit, have a code where that would have told me what I needed to know. Um, and then, yeah, you look at the diagram, you see that the instrument cluster is involved. You, you can see that mm-hmm. the, the can passes through it. Um, and once I seen the code in the cluster and I was like, wait, this is on the diagram, kind of put two and two together. And, uh, sure. you know, I, I just went in real quick, did the as-build data, AC was operating. And, uh, nice. I just think that that's one where, man, I, I definitely, I mean, the, the shop got their ass kicked on it. I would have got my ass kicked on it. I would have made a bad call if the shop hadn't already made the call in what I already was there to program. Yeah, actually, you know, that, that truck that I think it was a 2010, if I remember right, but that particular truck and spending two days on it was the reason I bought my first Autel. Um, I <laughs> had been using the shops. Uh, we, at the time we had this awful, awful, terrible OTC Pegasus. And it was the successor oh, to God. the Genesis, which actually for an aftermarket yeah. tool at the time, the OTC Genesis was a great tool. And, but they followed that up with the Pegasus. So they tried putting a scope into the tool and it was awful. Probably one of the worst scan tools I've ever used. And I hated that thing so much, but um, the, I never owned my own scan tool up until that point. I was, I was attacking the shops had scan tools. Why would I buy one? I had a code reader and that was it. And I, that motivated me to go out. I'm like, I gotta go find something that, cause I wanted to code the cluster after I figured out that's what it was. I'm like, I want something I can do this. And I wasn't at the point where I was buying laptops and I had yes and stuff yet, but I was like, what else can do it out there? And I ended up buying the, um, the DS 708, uh, Autel. Okay. And that thing, that thing was just a freaking beast because they stole everybody's software <laughs> i remember the first time seeing yeah. seeing the ford power balance on a scan tool i'm like what is this <laughs> you know i'm 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 over here like a caveman using mode six to chase these stupid coils down and now i got this like real-time graphic of misfires on the fords i'm like this thing's this is a gold mine for me at the time so yeah that, that i I'm glad you brought that up. That was the truck that got me to buy my, my first Autel, my first own personal scan tool that I owned. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. You know, I go into so many shops and a lot of the techs still don't have their own scanners. Right. Right. And I mean, Hey, in a certain situation, you shouldn't have to own that. The shop should provide the tools to fix the cars. Right. Like, yeah. If yeah. if the scan tool is an obstacle to getting the car fixed at your business that fixes cars 
for compensation as a business owner why the why would you not buy the scan tool that helps your tax do the job that brings the money into the business like yeah. i don't get it but um yeah like i i don't think a tech should have to buy their own scan tool if you want to more power to you and that's going to help you but i don't think you should have to as an employee at a business on top of that some of these shops man they don't have service info uh there's oh dude quite a few yeah where, uh, <laughs> what? Uh, I, what the fuck? I don't get it i i have yeah. no idea like that that's one where it's like oh you're not a, you you just you don't understand any of how this should work or, or you come from such a different background or side of the business i don't i don't, I don't know the, I, yeah. I can't even comprehend getting through the day um and i yeah. so i deal with a lot of shops um there's a lot of vietnamese run shops um that i that i have serviced in the past and some of them i still do and they were definitely some of them that just no service information would just use youtube and google um i was just <laughs> like come on guys because well here's here's the thing i would get i'd be like replace this component like well where's the component i'm like look it up <laughs> like, that's, that's, that's not my job yeah. to tell you where the part like if you can't figure out where the part is on the car like what are you doing? What are you doing? But yeah, I don't know, man. It's, it's yeah. wild out there. It's, there's, there's such a, there's such a variation in levels of shop and I'm sure you see it out there. Like some of these places are on their yeah. game, really, really well run mm-hmm. places, but then the complete opposite end of the spectrum too. Um, it, it's, it, it is pretty crazy to see what's out there. And other people have said this too. Um, I know PJ recently I was talking to her, like he just he didn't fully grasp the state of the industry until he started doing mobile and just like wow. Yeah. I I there's a place there's a place up here and I don't work with this guy anymore for a number of reasons, but he doesn't have heat in his shop. Like it's Minnesota, it gets really cold yeah. in the winter time, like 30, 40 below zero when it's January, February, and he doesn't have like a, a heater. Like every shop has some type of heater, whether it be, uh, um, the, the big, you know, gas furnace. Some of them will have these long tubes that go across the ceiling. Some of them have in-floor heat, but like you have heat in your shop and he doesn't have that. And he would run these little propane sunflower heaters in, in the wintertime. And it's like 40 degrees in the shop. Um, I just, <laughs> If you would have told me that prior to doing the mobile stuff, I'm like, no way. This BS. There's no way that guy runs a business year after year, but he does. And for some, who knows, who knows why reason he has techs that work there. I, I don't, I, I don't get it, but yeah, it, it's pretty crazy, man. Yeah. Yeah, no, it definitely is. And, you know, when I first started, it was very demoralizing. Um I mean, going into shops, I mean, not not just the the lack of service info. Um, sometimes, like, th- there's one situation where the shop, the, the technician, he had the right idea. But the shop owner didn't give him access to what he needed. And actually, that tech ended up quitting 
and uh, ended up going to work for a European shop that had everything, all the Euro tools, everything, and, uh, you know, night and day difference there. But the the technician, he was just super upset. And um, anyway, when I went there, though, he actually shadowed me on the diagnosis. And I, I don't remember what vehicle this was. All I remember is that there was a sensor pulling down to five volts. And, uh-huh. um, oh, it was a cam sensor. It was a cam sensor. I think it was on a Toyota. I Yeah, it was a Toyota because I remember um, trying to figure out um, the location of a specific component. And uh, <laughs> I couldn't figure it out exactly. Um, goodness, I'm just drawing such a, such a blank right now. But he shadowed me on this thing and. I was having a hard time finding the location of a component. I only had one service information at that time, um, and that was all data. And I had kind of jumped back and forth between all data and Identifix, and um, mm-hmm. now I, I've got both of them. But uh, I was having such a hard time locating um, the specific diagram that I needed. I want to say there was, like, Internet issues there and uh, mm. the, the metal building. I, I think that was my problem. Oh, yeah. And so yeah. I... At some point, yeah, yeah, so at some point I'm like, okay, I just got to start doing something here. And so I just unplug a sensor, um, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to look for everything with this color wire because I could not, for the life of me, uh, pull up service info in that shop. And event, actually, the second uh, second sensor I unplugged was, you know, the, the sensor that was causing the problem. Nice. Yeah, that's that's a really good uh idea to bring up when you're just you're kind of lost in a diagnostic or maybe you don't even know where to start, right? And you're just like, "Man, I feel overwhelmed by the problem or the system or whatever." And you sh- you should do your homework and try to get your head wrapped around it. But sometimes like we all end up there, right? For one reason or another. Just like, "Man, I just just start with yeah. something." Just start somewhere. Do start doing something within the system. Start testing some things. Even if you don't think that's what the problem is going to be, like it might get your brain flowing. Maybe you'll find it, right? Maybe you just get lucky. That happens too. The odds are so that you'll be, yeah. you could stumble upon it, but it, it's going to get you involved with the system. It's going to get you eyes on it, hands on it start testing stuff and I've definitely found myself in that position where I'm just like I feel stagnated in service info and reading through codes and TSBs and flow charts and diagrams and looking at scan data I'm just like oh, I don't really know where I'm going with this just start doing something unplug something yeah. take a vacuum hose off unplug that math sensor right block off that th- smoke that smoke the throttle body it, you know whatever you don't think there's a vacuum like okay just you know obviously this can be a waste of time but like sometimes you just got to start with somewhere and see what happens see where it takes you yeah. um that's it, that's a really good point to bring up when you're frustrated hey in in that case i was um and then even though I paid for service information, I didn't have access to it simply because the metal building. Um, it's just, you know, move, try, try to keep going, try to keep the ball rolling. And uh, in all honesty, the basics, I mean, fundamentals. Um, mm-hmm. 
so much of it is really fundamentals. I mean, uh, the other day, well, probably about a month now, uh, I was down at the, one of my dealerships and they called me out there to look at a, I don't know, some sort of a Jeep. Uh, and I go out there and there's a code for like a fuel rail pressure sensor. Um, maybe it was a Chrysler Pacifica, so some sort of, you know, CDJR garbage. And, uh, mm-hmm. I go out there and I see the code. So I pop the hood, you know, first thing I want to do is a visual inspection. Like it's all about a process. And so I go and I look and I'm like, well, we have obviously our sensor right here. And somebody's been down this path before because, well, they've got the, uh, old crimp connectors on them. And so it's like, okay, well, what, what do we do from this point? Um, I, you know, tested the, the basics. It's a three wire sensor and it's a pressure sensor. So, you know, just go back down to the basics and I'm like, okay, well, this has absolutely everything that it needs. And that sensor is also nice and shiny and it's an OEM sensor. Mm. Um, so for a second there, I was like, the computer's doing what is do- what it should be doing. Like, the, the circuit's all good. Pin fitment is perfect. And, uh, you know, I, I looked for TSBs, and I didn't find any TSBs. And I ended up getting a phone call. Um, and they're like, hey, there's a star bulletin on this. And that new sensor should come with paperwork that says, hey, you need to relocate pins because there's an updated oh. sensor design. So. So, you know, that, that kind of comes back down. Everything really comes down to the fundamentals. Um, well, mostly yep. comes down to it. But, you know, that yeah. that's, you know, following a process. Yeah, yeah, having that process is huge. Um, uh, kind of similar to w- what I was referring to before is go through your process. And even if you don't feel like I'm necessarily on the, you know, I'm on the hunt. Like there's times in diagnostics where, you know, you're close and you just got to kind of sort a few things yeah. out and verify a few things. But then there's times when you're not, you're just like, yeah. I, I don't have a, a key suspect just yet. And so I'm just kind of grabbing at stuff. But if you follow your process and you go through the things, you know, like, Hey, this engine won't start. Okay. Fundamentals, air, fuel, spark. How do I check those basic things? You go through it and you might stumble upon where the issue is, even if you're not like really dialed into what exactly it was. I I had an Equinox. I did an episode about it where I just happened to find that the injector harness was backwards because I was doing um, an injector flow test and the fuel okay. wasn't coming out of the right cylinder. <laughs> it was like, well, I just did four and one has fuel. Like, what, what's the deal? I, I at no point thought in my mind that I was going to find an, a backwards injector harness. I was looking for, is there fuel getting through these injectors? Because that was part of my process of fuel delivery. I just need to check fuel delivery. I, air fuel spark. What am I missing? And I just stumbled upon it because... You know, within my testing, I realized something wasn't quite right. And that happens a lot, right? And and the better you get at this, the more hopefully you can just be like, I feel like it's this. I need to go after this. 
this is definitely the circuit or the component that I'm testing. But hey, sometimes just go through. Let's. This is what I need. Yeah. This is what how it has to work. Let's just go through everything, and and you might find or get a little closer uh, to to the solution. Um, that, that's a big thing, you know. You, you see a lot of videos and stuff out there of everybody just like. I had this car. I tested these four things because I knew what to check, and then I found the problem. Like, (laughs) yeah, it doesn't always work that way. Like sometimes you just like, I don't know why this thing's running. Rich, I'm really not sure. Nothing's standing (laughs) out to me. Okay, let's go through the things that could cause it to run. Rich, let's start testing them one by one and eliminate things as much as possible. Um, That's that's my strategy. Some days it really is. Yeah. Yeah, figuring out what's not the problem is uh, is very valuable. Yep. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. Um, and yeah, that and that all comes back to you know the training and the education to be able to do those tests and know what's good and what's bad. But um, yeah, sometimes yeah. that's the approach. Figure these things out, man. So um, I got called to. I honestly don't remember what year BMW this was. Um, I'm not a car guy, by the way. I I confuse BMW and Mini and Toyota and Lexus. Um, all the GM brands, I probably show up and I'm like, oh, I'm here to program a, a Chevy. They're like, uh, we don't have a Chevy. I'm a Cadillac Buick. <laughs> Just, it's, I, I know it's of the same variety there. Um, but yeah. uh, so I got called to, to look at a BMW. The shop actually asked me, uh, they're very happy to wing modules in cars. Um, and it's, you know, the, there's different shops. Like I know when this shop is going to throw a module in a car, it's probably not going to work out. And, um, <laughs> they call me yeah. and they say, Hey, we've got this and it's got a mass airflow sensor code and it's a crank. No start. Um, do you think it could be the ECM? And I was like, Honestly, I can't really give any insight. I could program it if you want to change it. I could diagnose it, and we could be 100% sure. And uh, so they opt for me to diagnose this thing. And, you know, when they said it, I was just like, okay, a mass airflow causing a crank no start. Like, it, it just, the, the thought process there, uh, I, I don't know. I don't see it. Um I guess to, to some degree, but <laughs> I really just cannot see that thought process. So, you know, I go out there and there's a couple observations that I make, but first thing I want to do is crank it over, see if we have sparks, see if we have injector pulse. The absolute mm-hmm. most basic, let me go grab a test light. Well, I have both of those things. And it's just like, okay, so we know it's, you know, not a security issue. Um so I go back and I current ramp the fuel pump and everything looks good at the fuel pump. So I grab a fuel, fuel testing gauge and I take a fuel sample. And uh, I kind of thought it was going to go that way to begin with because when I walked up to this vehicle, there was no cover for the fuel tank. And the gas cap was missing. Oh, and it had okay. just rained that weekend. So, okay. um, I, I take a fuel sample and it's just like, okay, well, Hey guys, we've got bad fuel. So that that's what it is on the car. 
clean out the tank, you'll be good to go here. And, uh, uh-huh. you know, that, that, that's, you know, another, another case where it's like the shop is not thinking about the process and whatnot. And, uh, I talked to the technician there and he, he was, he was literally afraid. Well, I can't say afraid. The technician was uncomfortable with it being a European car. And it's just like, I, I don't know. I don't know BMW. And uh, mm-hmm. it's one of those things where it's like, well, man, like, suck, squeeze, bing, blow. Um, yes, you know, sir. 12 volts is 12 volts. And uh, yep. but let's start there yep. and, and, you know, keep everything the most simple and fundamental that we can. And we can mm-hmm. go more complicated at, if we have to. Yeah, the the laws of physics don't care what emblems on the front of the vehicle. It's still it's still gonna work the same. And yeah, some of the the little intricate stuff, or uh, honestly, it's it's probably more different on our end of the programming side of things as uh, than than the diagnostics. Because yeah, it's electricity has no reference as to what vehicle it's in, and air fuel combustion. Yeah. Right. That's all, that's all going to work the same way. Just, just a you know, little different setup, a little different construction, but yeah, you still need all those basic things for it to happen. Yep. Yep. So, um, there was that one and man, there was, um, one that I actually drove all the way down to San Antonio to go and look at, uh, which about an hour and a half drive for me. And, uh, this thing, the, my buddy been asking me to look at this thing for months and uh, he had a PCM put in it. I don't know, you know, exactly um, who was making what calls where, but uh, I know it was at a shop before he got it. and um, It had been out of commission for, I want to say eight months. And okay. So it's a 2020 Ford Escape, and it is a crank no-start. But uh-huh. after you crank it that one time, that's it. It will not crank again for probably 10 to 20 minutes. Okay. And and it's like, okay, well, um, again, he had been asking me to look at this thing for quite a while. Uh, so... At some point in time, this thing got an ABS module thrown in it, um, and uh-huh. the, the ABS module on this is an immobilizer component. Um, so okay. he actually, in the process of this, he got his VSC, programs the ABS module, and still crank no start. And uh, again, after you crank it once, it's it's done for about ten to. 10 to 20 minutes at random. And Hmm. so I go down there and, you know, you you crank it over. And the first thing that you notice is that the dash where the mileage is, it just nulls out all across it. So you, you lose your mileage. And, uh, this is a collision vehicle and it's a, I want to say it's like an ambulance vehicle. Maybe they do like dispatch or something in it. Um, but so, you know, start kind of going down that process and I jumped down a rabbit hole. Um, you know, 
not sticking with a process and kind of getting that, getting those blinders on. And, uh, mm. but, you know, to, to kind of reel it back, um, what I should have done, you know, in, in hindsight was there was a communication code that would pop up every time you'd crank it and you see all those dashes, which is an indicator of no communication. And I should have just focused on that, you know, the basics, powers, grounds, ability to communicate. And uh, I would have gotten it a lot faster had I done that from the get-go. But, you know, I ended up getting it. Uh, there was actually voltage drop uh, inside of the fuse box, right right in the corner where it was hit. Um, okay. There was voltage drop. Yeah, yeah. So it got hit right there on that side. So the fuse box took a, you know, pretty good impact there. And so whenever you would crank it, it would drop down to, I want to say like four volts or something, something that was low enough to where the PCM wasn't happy. And, okay. you know, it, it couldn't keep, it couldn't keep the voltage up for that five volt regulator to keep the, the PCM, um, you know, alive and talking. And so I end up eventually getting on the right path. I throw some powers to it and get the car running. And uh, it's like, okay, well, and this has one of those funky fuse boxes where it's not super ideal, but you can test the power going into it and you can test the power coming out. And uh -huh. so, you know, I, I simply scoped that, cranked it, didn't have voltage drop going in, had voltage drop coming out. And uh, so that, that was a fun one, um, simply because time in between testing was so far yeah. in between each, you know, test result. Yeah. And, uh, it, it took me way longer. I, it, honestly, it really took me way longer than it should have to, to catch on to the pattern. Yeah. That intermittent stuff, man. I don't know. I, <laughs> I keep running into it. It's obviously, it it's a thing that's out there and people, you know, if the car, stops functioning often enough they want it fixed and that's why it's in the shop and it's i'm up against it with time uh, you know i'm trying to yeah trying to knock out a lot of work every day i got a lot of shops calling me i got a lot of appointments and um it's it's just it is a very challenging one for me if i had all the time in the world i'd i'd love to take it on i'd love to drive your car around yeah. for uh, maybe i wouldn't but It'd be cool to get through some of the weird problems, right? That only happens, you know, every, you know, once every 45 minutes or whatever, but I can't spend yeah. 45 minutes just to experience the problem. And then maybe it doesn't happen for another 45 minutes when I get my stuff hooked up. I, I have a Lexus right now yep. that this has intermittent parasitic draw on a 17 IS 300. And okay. I first looked at it. I'm like, 60 milliamps guys and the battery's full i don't know what to tell you and then the next day they're like yeah the battery's dead okay well it's like well you guys want to just test that battery make sure the battery's good i tested it but you guys do the same thing they're like yeah 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 it's good it's good okay um do you want to come back out look at it come back out look at it 60 milliamps okay and um so uh, they leave it sit over the weekend. Actually, while I was gone on vacation, 
I come back and they're like, yeah, they're, they're pretty sure this has happened a number of times. Will you, will you take another peek at it? And I go out there after been sitting on the weekend, it fires up like after sitting all weekend. I'm like, <laughs> I was like, I don't even really need to check it for a draw at this point. I know there isn't one, but I did and it's 60 milliamps yeah. and they really want me to go after it. And it's a good shop. That's my issue. Uh, it's like, I really have a good yeah. relationship with the shop, but I'm like, guys, cause he's like, well, I saw this one time on this Mazda where the, the shifter didn't go back into part. I'm like, I'm sure you did. And that's a great <laughs> find, but this is a, this is a Lexus. So like the odds of it being exactly the same are pretty unlikely. And like, do you think about all of the different electrical components on this thing that might be coming on like, uh, good luck trying to guess at which one it is. Um, I just, I, I don't, I don't have the time to do this. It would have to be something where I set it up in the shop with a scope with multiple amp clamps going off of different legs of the battery. And I yep. get it onto my Pico, which I, they'd have to be amp clamps that weren't battery powered. <laughs> and then you just let it sit there and set an alert on your Pico for which leg off of the power feeds of the battery or the ground distribution spikes. Okay, well now I can at least limit it down to a fuse box and then you go you go deeper from there. But that's a that's something where I'd have to have it set up at a shop with the equipment and, and I mean, you're charging a boatload of money at that point too, which I, I guess that's fine. But yeah. um, doing the mobile thing limits you on intermittence is the the short version of that story. Is like, I just don't have the time. Yeah, so, so do you do draws at all, mobile? I do. I actually like parasitic draws. Gimme, gimme. If it's a hard fault. Uh, I freaking love parasitic draws. There are, there are some vehicles where they're yeah. definitely more challenging than I thought. Um, and depending on how the power dis- distribution is set up and access to components and that sort of thing. But for the most part, I can nail those things. Um, some of the ones that, t- that are real small, you know, you have like 150 milliamp draw and it takes 40 minutes to go to sleep. That's challenging. Intermittent stuff. No thanks. But man, if it's, if it's up over half an amp, I feel like I can nail that one pretty quickly. I say that I'm going to get some stupid vehicle tomorrow that just kicks my butt. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, yeah. You, every time. Interior lighting circuit that has 50 legs to it. That's <laughs> that's what I'm going to get tomorrow just for saying that. But <laughs> yeah, I do, I do draws. Okay, okay. Yeah, I try not to do them. Um, if I do do them, I, I tell the shop, Hey, look, get it in a bay inside. I want to check this thing first thing in the morning. You know, th- there's a lot of things yeah. just like, okay, I need the vehicle prepped a certain way. I need them to have a good battery on this thing. Um, yeah. so th- there's a lot of criteria that have to be met in order for me to even consider it. Um, yep. but it, it's, it's one of those things too, where I, I try to stay away from it just from a, a business standpoint and try to keep the ball rolling. But yep. you no, know, it's also the curious side of me is like, man, I, I want to figure out what's going on. Right. Right. Um, yeah. If I get into one, I get involved with one. Yeah. I definitely want to solve it and figure out where that, where that draw is coming from. But 
It's, um, yeah, there's definitely more lucrative work out there than those. You charge appropriately, just like anything else, charge appropriately. Um, but sometimes they can be, they can be fairly time consuming. I don't want to take one on at Friday afternoon. Um, there's no way, <laughs> Yeah. but, um, I'll, I'll definitely take those. Cause a lot of people don't want to do them. Um, those yeah. little, uh, snicker bar sized amp clamps. Those are, those are beast for those. Cause I'll just hook them around the different legs off the battery and get an idea of, okay, what power distribution source has the draw. Okay. Now I've limited it down to there. Can I amp clamp anything else off of that? Sometimes no. Okay. Can I amp hound the tops of the fuses? A lot of times. Yes. Sometimes no. Um, okay, last resort, what what can I pull out of here? I, I avoid pulling stuff because it wakes stuff up on a lot of cars, but sometimes that's your yeah. that's what you're down to. Um, you can also look at yeah. what's the size of the draw. What's the size of the draw and what could potentially be on? Is this a module-type draw, you know, six-tenths six of an amp? Or is this like two, three amps, like something's on doing some work or maybe there's a network <laughs> awake. That's the other thing. Like there's a whole series of modules awake, two, three amps, right? Like, so you can use, you can use clues to kind of help guide you towards, uh, what's staying on. Um, yeah. And yeah, there's some pattern failures to there too. Although with modern vehicles, man, uh, I think the unique ones are, are so much more common now, but um, I got my butt kicked on a Ford Edge one time where the tire pressure monitor module was turning off and turning on and turning off and turning on and turning off and turning on. <laughs> so the so the parasitic draw, well, I, I wouldn't call it intermittent, but it was pulsing. It would draw for about yeah. two, three minutes, and then it would go to sleep. And then a couple of minutes later, it would come back on, two, three minutes, go to sleep. Um and that one killed me. I made a bad call on that. I put a cluster in it and I fucked around forever and finally got to the source eventually. But I just had one a couple of weeks ago where I put my amp clamp around there and I watched it turn on and off. And it was like, oh, I know where I'm going with this. I went right, right back to the tire pressure module, unplugged it, fixed it. And so I like to think my hours put into the first one saved me quite a bit of time on the second one that I saw, you know? Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. That's, you know, you, you get your ass kicked on that one car and mm -hmm. a lot of times you don't forget it. Sometimes you do. Uh, yeah. I find myself there too. <laughs> yeah. I know I fixed this one before. What did I do? <laughs> yeah. Uh. Yeah, for sure. So, um, th there's something else. I, I'm not sure if I'm going to lose you here. I wanted to pull up some notes here. Okay. Okay, okay. This honestly, it was just because it's the most recent uh, diag that I I got to deal with. Um, okay. So I dealt with a 2020 uh, Jeep Compass, and they asked me to program a PCM in this thing. And uh, so I go through, you know, do the programming. Um, I was kind of in a particular situation where uh this is gpec 2a uh, so i ended up having to do some eprom magic to to make it happen um i do have my 
vehicle security credentials. But uh, in this particular situation, um, it was from one shop to another shop and the other shop's customer and mm. couldn't do anything in like an efficient amount of time. So I just sure. you know, ended up going the EEPROM route. And uh, mm-hmm. so I get everything back together though and go plug it in and I go to crank this thing up and the dash, the needles are just like flickering like this. And it's just like, okay, maybe the battery voltage, I check the battery voltage and I'm like, wait, we're good on the battery voltage, okay. I look down at my scan tool and I lost communication uh, with my my micropod uh, for a minute. And I end up going and talking to the shop and they're like, that's what it was doing before, and we we thought for sure it had to be the ECM. Um, so I'm, okay. I'm sitting there in the driver's seat. I could see out over, like on the bench, they have a power distribution center, uh, well, the, the fuse box, and then they've got a whole harness, and then, you know, we just finished doing the PCM on this thing. And, you know, the first thing that I noticed, like looking at that, and um, after throwing a scope on it, you know, just right there at the battery, check for voltage drop. And uh, or see mm-hmm. what that battery is dropping to. And it looked great. Um, I mean, the car wasn't really cranking. So, <laughs> um, I mean, not a whole lot of amperage going through there. But, you sure. know, it, it's trying to pull something when, when you see those gauges flickering. And uh-huh. every time that I'd lost communication with the micropod, um, I had it hooked up to my breakout box and it was jumping down to like three volts. And at that point I'm like, okay, well let, let's, you know, do a check here. And, uh, sure enough, it was dropping down to three, I want to say 3.2 volts. So I'm like, okay, let's go and go from the battery and start checking all, all the different fuses right there at the battery. You've got all the different legs that run to the PDC. And uh-huh. so I check everything there. Everything's good. And I'm like, okay, well, um, I go and I just pick any random fuse. I honestly forget. I just remember as fuse number 30. Um, I don't remember what that ran uh, and why I went there. But I took the AES Waves kit, plugged into it, went to go crank it. And sure enough, same exact voltage drop happening. Okay. So on this thing, though, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm in this fuse number 30 slot with AES wave kit, and I scope it, and I see the voltage drop there. And, you know, I, I check everything um, right there at the battery, at the fusible links right there at the battery. And everything checks out good, so I, I ended up just jumping a power into the fuse box. The car okay. starts and runs. Now, mind you, this was basically two two different tests uh, done in just a couple of minutes. And the tech, when he heard that car fire up, he just like looked at me and the look on his face was like, he was just completely shocked that the car was running in just a couple of minutes of, you know, testing there. Yeah. And uh, so I, I was talking to him about a night, you know, just walking through exactly what, what I was seeing and why I did what I did. Um, 
And then, you know, I, I went through and started to kind of jump down and try to dig through it. But just because of the setup on this vehicle, it wasn't ideal for me to, to you know, get to where I needed to do any more testing without asking for more time from the shop. Um, so, you know, I, I just approached the shop owner and I was like, hey, look, this is where we're at. Um, we do know that we have a voltage drop problem. It is not the battery. It is not here across these fuses right there at the battery. Um, but it is, you know, somewhere from the cable to the PDC. Okay. And, and maybe even in the PDC, but uh -huh. they just replaced that. So that that's one where honestly, I'm hoping that I get to go back and look at it again, uh, just because I want to actually see what the, the real fault was there. Um, yeah. Sometimes that sucks <laughs> as a mobile guy. You don't see the conclusion and yeah. It's like, I would expect most shops to get back to me if I made the wrong call and it didn't fix yeah. it. I'd expect that. And, and hey, that happens sometimes. They call me like, hey, you told us to put in this and it didn't fix it. But I yeah. always wonder, like when I never hear anything back, I'm like, hmm, I wonder if that actually fixed it. I wonder if the customer <laughs> proved the job. I wonder if yeah. they were able to get parts or whatever. Uh, I always like that conclusion, but you don't, you don't always get it as a bubble guy. Sometimes you just move on with your life and you never, I, if I go back to the shop, I'll ask them. I'll be like, Hey, what happened with the blank? Oh yeah. We put that thing in there and fixed it or whatever, you know, but yeah, that yeah. not having the like concrete conclusion in front of your face kind of sucks sometimes for sure, man. Um, yeah, for, but, for sure. That's, uh, that's part of the gig, but cool, man. Um, thanks for, uh, thanks for joining me this evening. This was, this was cool. And we, uh, we definitely got to meet up at one of the training events sometime soon. And you say you're going to, uh, you going to vision? Uh, yeah, I definitely plan on going to vision. Hopefully I can get out to more of the, uh, other training events here. Um, but it just really depends. Yeah, right. That's tough. You gotta, you gotta set aside the, the income from the time that you're gone, um, yep. and then play catch up when you get back. And so it is, uh, this is a bit of a sacrifice, but I try to make it yeah. to at least a couple a year if I can. Yep. Yep. And honestly, like I loved going to vision. Um, the, the biggest thing, though, in all honesty, was just the networking. Oh, yeah. 100%. That's, uh, that's worth the price of admission. Even if you didn't sign up for any classes, if you just hung out in the the hallways the whole time with other people, <laughs> that, that would be worth going. That's where it's at, man. But, dude, I really appreciate you, know, you having me on here. And uh, maybe uh, I'll run into you sometime at a training event. Yes, sir. Uh, yeah, I look forward to it. Thank you. Okay, that's gonna do it for today's episode. Thank you, JC, for sitting down with me. And thank you, all the listeners, for tuning into the show and all the feedback that I've got. Really appreciate all of it. Appreciate everybody listening. And if you got any ideas for the show, you know someone that you'd like to hear from, 
on the show or you want to be on the show, reach out to me. Uh, you'll find my email in the show notes along with the Facebook group. Uh, you can contact me through Messenger. It's probably the quickest way to get the response. Sean Tipping on Facebook. Otherwise, let's all get out there. Start fixing the world one car at a time.